Welcome to the Jesus Culture Podcast once again. So good to have you with us wherever you may be. And Phil, we imagine them everywhere. Right now it's summertime. You're on a beach. You're on a beach somewhere enjoying a cold drink, listening to the podcast. You're working out on a treadmill somewhere. Every time, Phil, I don't know if you're like this, but whenever I, I've been preaching to a camera uh, for a church, we're back, in lo- we're back in person, but we're still streaming. But for like 13 months, it was just me looking at a camera. And uh, so I started doing things where I was just imagining people listening to my sermon in their living room. And, and they, were, they were amening me. They were falling out in the spirit on a good Absolutely. point. They were standing up. They were weeping. They were responding to my altar calls. So I just kind of like the way I made it through was I just kind of imagined somebody on the other side of that camera. And I, feel, I do the same thing. Like right now, somebody, they're on a, they're on a treadmill. They're, they're, they're sitting on a beach. They're in a commute. I did the exact same thing. I just did the opposite version where I imagined people barely watching me and like actually eating and watching yeah, sports at the same time no, they're watching, and they're watching l- listening to five minutes of my sermon. Now they're watching Stephen Furtick yes, on yes, the side yes. and then kind of glancing over to you. That's what's happening. That's amazing. Well, it's great to be here. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited about this episode as I probably am every episode, but we are actually going to be talking about leading from a place of prayer. We've actually been, we're on kind of a 12-episode binge where we're going to be talking about leadership, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into that, but specifically today, leading from a place of prayer. Before we get into the rest of the podcast, I do want to remind you, if you've been listening, we recently have started a partnership with World Vision. It's been something that's been on my heart for a while that uh, really God spoke to us early on at Jesus Culture, that we are to encourage people and mobilize people to take care of the poor of the earth. And so not all of us can go and be on the front lines in these places of poverty, But all of us can partner with organizations that are there doing it. And so I really believe, man, I I would encourage you in in World Vision, you're able to uh, actually, actually because of this program called Chosen, a kid chooses you. So through World Vision, we're able to partner with an organization that's on the front line. And they're working with families, they're working with communities, they're working with everything from education to food to just making lives better wherever they are. So my, my family and I, we actually are part of the Chosen program, and a kid has chosen us, and we're going to be sponsoring them. And we've been sponsoring kids since we were married, since the beginning of our marriage. So I'd encourage you to check it out. There'll be a spot in the middle of this thing where you can kind of hear some more information. But we're excited to be able to partner with World Vision across all of our platforms, Authentic You podcast, Man Camp podcast, Sermon of the Week podcast, the Jesus Culture podcast, the Pastors podcast, all of it. We're excited to be able to partner with them. Uh, today, we get to, come on, the man himself, the man himself, a dear friend to Phil and myself, an incredible pastor, David Perkins, all the way from the heartland, from the breadbasket, breadbasket, heartland of America Kansas City. David, it's really great to have you jump on and be a co-host slash guest with us. Yeah, I'm honored and excited. Thanks for having me. I love, love, love you guys. Love what you're doing and uh, excited about our conversation today. A little intimidated by Phil's brain, but uh, I'm hoping that, um, you know, God comes through powerfully in this. Most of his talking we edit out just, <laughs> just to make me look a little bit better. So don't worry about it. If, he, if he's, Phil's like a one-up guy. You're like, hey, I had this revelation, and I was studying scripture, and Phil just goes, oh, yeah? Well, I have this one, and just tries yeah. to one-up a lot. 
So you'll be all right. I, I'm pretty sure you can go toe-to-toe. Uh, you guys, listen, uh, they may not know you, but Phil and David, both of you guys, you're actually a kid ahead of me in life. I only have three kids. Each one of you have four children. And uh, what is it that you guys do for vacations now? Uh, when it comes to taking your four kids on vacation, is this, in fact, half the time I don't think they're vacations, but we talked about Disneyland a little bit, but anything exciting you got going on this summer with vacations? We're going beach, so our kids love the beach. Uh, so we're gonna drive from Kansas City to South Carolina, go to Hilton Head. It's our favorite spot. We like it because it's kind of like a boring beach, you know, like we don't like the party beach. This is like the, it's kind of like the old people beach. So that's where we take our kids. Listen, here's the amazing thing about David. If you knew David, David and his family, and I say this with love, this is not sarcasm, are like the model family. They're, they are, they're incredible. Like they're incredible parents. The kids love Jesus. They, they, but here's the thing. They really enjoy being with each other. <laughs> and our family does too. So this is going to sound horrible. But you're like, how long is that drive? David's like, we just love it. We love being together. I'm like, wow, yeah, totally. My kids too. My kids would love to be crammed in a car with their siblings for 18 hours. That'd be awesome. This is the problem. Every time you're on a podcast, I feel like a worse parent, David. No, this, well, I feel like this, this has to be true because our, our commentary on David is he's just better at life. Than in, in almost every area, he's a better pastor. He's a better leader. He's a better husband. He's a better father. It's hard to argue true. that. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're gonna learn prayer from someone, you should at least actually look at their life and go, "There's something." But this is what you've added, David. You've also added to this list. You're better at vacation than I am because you are taking a family vacation that sounds amazing. I am taking a family vacation this summer where we're going to up the northeast to go. We're we're going to the beach too, but we're going to the freezing northeast beaches because my wife's family's there and we're doing a thing. And I, I love my wife's family, but here's what I want to say. Do my you really? Family, it kind of yeah, can we feel that? Come on, I'm no, not listen, sure I believe the, that. Yes, because I'm going. That is the statement of love <laughs> that's happening. Go. But why would we go to the northeast to go to the beach? Listen, Emily, family. Let's go to Florida. Let's go to the southeast. Let's go where the water is warm. So I'm going to go and freeze because that's yeah. what some people. This think is, is what fun. this is. People that go like we're going to Cape Cod. This is like why would these are people that take cruises to Alaska. Every time they're like, I just took a cruise to Alaska. I'm like, what? Why would you take a cruise to Alaska? They're like, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I'm like, take a cruise to the Bahamas. Take a cruise somewhere where you're going to be on a white, sandy beach in sandals, not Alaska. So you're that family, Phil. Your wife, you're the family that goes on uh, cruises to Alaska. Exactly. And my entire vacation schedule is basically wrapped around like uh, doing things I don't want to do. That's hey, what it feels you're like. You're going to be painting shells. <laughs> You're gonna, that's what you're going to be doing. I'm excited. Be, I really am excited. What's that? You're going to be antiquing? You're going to be antiquing all up and down the coast? It'll be fun. I do love Emily's family. It'll be amazing. But I do think going somewhere cold in the beach is the craziest idea I've ever heard of. Now, listen, people can't really feel sorry for me, but we're going because our my niece is getting, I'm officiating the wedding and it's going to happen in Hawaii. So it's in Kona. We're excited to go. It'll be fun. But the problem is it's in Kona in August. And um, I don't know if you've ever been to Kona in August because you're like, you're going to Hawaii. You shouldn't complain. But it is so humid. It is so bad. We stayed one time. And this is, you ever had this experience? Somebody said, hey, I went over there to speak. And they said, hey, we want to give you a place to stay for a week for you and your family in Kona. And I'm like, man, what a blessing. Thank you so much. That is awesome. So we go over there and we stay in this place. But this place they put us in, um, it was somebody's house. It was somebody's like, it's like a townhouse. So somebody already lived there, 
So it was a little bit awkward already. Like they were away, but we were kind of just staying in somebody's house. But they didn't have air conditioning. And so you're, you're trying not to complain because you're in Hawaii and somebody gave you this place, but it didn't have air conditioning. And I'm not, we changed the sheets every night. We, we just sweated. You could never really like, we would just go get in our rented minivan just to cool down. Because when you were in the house, it was miserable. It was muggy. It was, you come back from the beach and you're just in your house sweating. It was, it was horrible. So I don't know if I'm, ex- we're at Kona in August. Yeah. So again, to the hotel as they see. I remember what's funny. I just remembered Emily when Emily and I met. She was in Kona doing with YWAM, so she was a part of the YWAM base there in Kona. And I went to visit her. This was still while I was trying to impress her. And uh, I remember we decided to play. Like there was a group of guys that decided to play basketball. I'm like, yeah, I'm athletic. I'm going to show this new girl I want to marry that. Like, like I'm whatever. I went to, to so I went to try in like ten minutes. I wanted to die. Yeah, I I, I yeah. was sucking air. And I, I mean, I was sweating. Yeah. I was all yeah. red. I yeah. literally, um, it's a different it, was, ball game. it was a horrible experience. It's a different ball game. Humidity, <laughs> the whole thing. So David, we're excited. How long is that drive, honestly, David, if you, if you just went straight there? Yeah, I think it's about 17 hours oh. or so. So, um, but it's great. So I, it's, it's actually easy. I mean, what we do, so I'm just going to say it. So, we, we, pile, we do church on Sunday morning, and then we pile up in the car, we get a little ways in, and uh, we, we stay a few hours down the road, and it's great. I know, I know you're going to make jokes I'm about my family being Pollyanna. I'm not making jokes at all. I want listen, to be your family. Don't, this we, is not me joking, we, David. We sleep in, and then, you know, the kids do the pool, and then in the morning, I don't, I mean, we, we do, here we go, we do worship time, we do a prayer time in the car, and then we connect, we oh. talk about like our dreams for the year. It's like, we love that time together. And then we, we, we do another hotel that night, and then we do the same thing the next day. Uh, and it's just, our car time is like phenom. So David, I, I know, the, I feel- Listen, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm asking you to be my mentor. <laughs> Will you be my mentor and pastor in life? I'm not even kidding. And I've shared this a lot. What you, <laughs> how you have raised your kids is phenomenal. It's phenomenal and inspiring. Oh, thank you. I think this is the point where I hand in my resignation. Whatever. And David should become the new co-host. And this is the truth, though. Only a man of deep prayer can do that drive. <laughs> yes, that's incredible. That's the truth. In order to hand in your resignation, that would mean you'd get, you're getting paid, Phil. So you can't. <laughs> well, that was actually the subtle way I'm trying to bring you that can't, up. You so. can't hand in uh, your resignation. <laughs> well, well, we really are, David. Hopefully people are excited to hear about your prayer life. But uh, we're going to be talking about uh, leading from prayer and sowing that seed again about just that everyone's called to be a leader. First, I want you to hear this quick word from World Vision, then we're going to be back. In the world's most fragile places, devastating aftershocks of the COVID-19 crisis are pushing families deeper into poverty, putting kids at greater risk of hunger, malnutrition, violence, and neglect. Child sponsorship is you making a decision to provide $39 a month for a child in their community in extreme poverty to provide the most basic necessities of life. But most importantly, you provide hope. It is one of the most effective ways to help the world's most vulnerable children in their communities address the impacts of this pandemic and lift themselves out of poverty for good, especially now. The reality is thousands of children are waiting to be sponsored. But what you don't know is everything is about to change. For the first time, World Vision is inviting you to empower a child through sponsorship. Yet instead of you choosing them, 
They choose you, something no organization has ever done before. It doesn't matter who you are or where in the world you live. Every single one of us wants to be seen, to be loved, to be chosen. Put the power to choose in a child's hands and give someone a chance to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Text podcasts to 56170 and sponsor a child now. Yeah, we'll make sure you text in and check out what World Vision is doing with their chosen program. Uh, David, you're here today because we have been talking about leadership. We actually decided on the podcast to kind of go back a little bit to our roots, which was the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast, and really just that concept that I really believe that God has called every believer to be a leader. Uh, We just talked about this recently at church, that leadership is influence, it's owning your influence, and that God has given you something, and are you using that, whether it's influence, time, money, energy, talents, gifts? Are we using what God has given us to uh, change the world? Are we using what God has given us to advance the kingdom? And so really just trying to call people and challenge them to go, listen, live like a leader. Live like a leader. You have been called to lead. Live like that. And so we're just taking 12 episodes and kind of talking through different aspects of leadership. What we want to talk about today is maybe, honestly, the most important aspect of it is to lead from a place of prayer. I think that there's so many leadership books out there. There's so many different podcasts that you can follow about leadership and books that you can read about leadership and team building and vision casting and all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, as believers, I am convinced that our lives must come from a place of prayer and our leadership must come from a place of prayer. And this is not just lip service. It's not just kind of like because we have to say that. And really just kind of coming from that place that my leadership is based from that place of prayer. And I think for me, one of the things that we've talked about is is, is that prayer is not the only thing we do. Even when we're talking about uh, issues in society, as we were talking about the the uh, social unrest, uh, the race issues, the, the different issues in society that we've been talking about and saying, listen, we need to go be a part of the solution. We need to go get involved. So when we say that, that we're called to pray, prayer isn't the only thing we do, but prayer is the first thing we do. That what the first thing we do is prayer. Everything we do should be birthed from a place of prayer and yet sometimes as leaders, we, when it comes to leadership and even life, we, we tend to forget that. We begin to lean on leadership principles. We begin to lean on things that we heard on a podcast. We begin to lean on those different things. David, can you talk to us a little bit about in your own life, you really are, and Phil and I would both say this, you're one of the best leaders I know. I'm not saying that. I know we've joked, and, and I actually think you're one of the best fathers I know. So none of this has been sarcasm. It's been more sarcasm to about myself, but... But one of the best leaders I know, you, you built a, uh, you've built a successful and healthy church. Uh, you built a youth movement with desperation years ago that was one of the top youth movements in the nation, a leadership academy. Uh, we're gathering leaders and youth pastors, but you've always come from that place of prayer. Can you just kind of begin to unpack as we're talking to people? Again, these are people out there who have fully embraced the call to lead. These are people who are beginning to embrace the call to lead. Um, when it comes to prayer, why do we need to be talking about this first? I think that uh, for leaders, 
uh, leaders are achievement-based. Leaders were often uh, get used to being applauded, and we and we can slowly want to be applauded. And everything that we do in public uh, is applauded, and ministry is often applauded, but prayers in secret. And so the only person that's applauding prayer is God. And wow. I think that the wow. big piece is uh, having that as such a priority that that's actually what you care about first and most. And I think that um, most of the time, um, I mean, I worked at a church with over 10,000 people. And as a youth pastor, I found that I was driving people to prayer meetings, but I was rewarded based upon what was visible as a youth pastor, how many kids are in seats and all that's great. And I'm all for every kind of impact. Let's go discipleship. Let's go city transformation. Let's talk global discipleship. Let's do all we can. But I think that the the secret to a great leader is what God is doing in them. So I like to look at it this way too. When Jesus calls us to follow him, um, great leaders are followers first. So they're following Jesus. And there's a lot that we can achieve on our own that we can come up with through um, just our own abilities, our own skill sets. But in terms of spiritual leadership, we want to be following um, what Jesus has, is calling us to do. And of course, that's where there's eternal fruit. That's where there's long-term fruit. So I think praying first is key. I love that you said that. It's interesting because when you talk about our own efforts and our own strength, somehow I think we have to remember that whatever God calls us to is impossible apart from him. And what we're going after here on the leadership thing is this. God's called you to be someone, and he's called you to do something. He's trying to transform you to look like Jesus, and he's, he's inviting you to partner with him to see his plans and purposes established in the earth. But whatever he's called you to, it's impossible apart from him. It's the very nature of the call of God on your life. But somehow we begin to believe that our effort, our strength— can actually accomplish that. And I think what you're saying is, is that it's that place of prayer just continually positions us to recognize, God, I can't do this apart from you. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do this apart from you. It's not, David, talk about that a little bit about even when you stay in a place of prayer, how that revelation stays fresh. Does that make, I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying, that, that I find even when I'm in that place of prayer, that awareness that what God's calling me to, I can't do apart from him. So good. And Jesus said that, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think that after uh, we've been with Jesus uh, time and time again, we can start to see God doing the supernatural, God working through us. And yet when we cease, stop, quit spending time with God, the truth is, is that we're still in motion. We still are out achieving. And, and we kind of wake up one day and realizing there's a, there's a lot that that I can do apart from what God can do through me. And I got to come back and make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do. Does that make sense? Yes. What God's called me to do. And I I think that there's a certain amount of talent, gifts, skills, abilities that we can find ourselves just drifting off, achieving, but it's fruitless. There's this, we start to know that I'm not accomplishing what God's called me to accomplish. I'm not where I want to be. So we come back to that place of intimacy. We come back to that place of abiding. We come back to that place of being with Jesus. And in that, we start to feel like, okay, these ideas. For me, I just think of it as like when I'm writing in my prayer journal, I just start to write down the ideas that I sense that God is telling me to do, what the Holy Spirit is saying. I know when these ideas are things that are flowing from God versus just 
When I stop doing that, I find myself uh, stuck and dry and frustrated and doing time with Jesus as a task instead of enjoying it and being with him out of out of intimacy and enjoying it. So, yeah. One of the things I love about this is it just reminds me of banning another conversation we had a while ago about how when I fell in love with Jesus and the vision of the heroes of the faith in my life, like there wasn't a vision of, of a Christian celebrity. Like I didn't actually know that you could follow Jesus and get well-known or liked or, you know, all of those things. And, and now this whole new world that exists it just is a reminder of how the place of prayer is the place that we actually have to die to the desire to be significant because you're like, right, David, that there is that leadership thing that says, I, I want to give my life to something great. I want to accomplish something great. And now something new has entered the atmosphere for so many of us of like, Oh, I can do this and I can get liked and people can follow me and I can do. And it, it has this like weird distortion where suddenly we're, we're making decisions out of, chasing significance rather than making decisions out of obedience. And I feel like if we don't have that place of prayer rooted in our lives as leaders, we will accidentally step into this new thing that's available. And I, I just think I like, I often go, man, I want to go back to the heart of 12 year old Phil who said, if nobody knows who I am and I laid on my life in the mission field, like Jesus, you're worthy because in my, and in the innocence of that stage of my life, I didn't know anything else was even possible, but now so many, so many people are, are realizing like, oh, I can follow Jesus and, and mm. I just feel like the only way that that gets rooted out of our lives is in this, not, I, I pray first. I don't, I don't, I don't pray any way else, like, cause all of this has to come from that level of obedience. And that's my genuine, I mean, that's my greatest fear for my own heart when I know my own heart and my greatest fear in raising up young leaders is they treat prayer like a side piece because they don't even see that there is this lure to significance that only prayer can kill because it's actually, it's going to kill them if they don't, if they don't actually see it for what it is. I think if we treat prayer as a means to our end and our ultimate end is to be a great leader, then we're using prayer uh, as opposed to letting prayer be the end. So uh, we want relationship. That That's where all of this ends. It all ends, and I'm going to just go fill doxology. It all ends with worship. It all go, It all ends in relationship. And so if if I can see prayer as my end, like it's, it's currently my end, so no doubt about it. I want to finish the task that God has for me. I want to be like Paul and say, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. But even if you go beyond that and you go towards eternity, in the end, I'm made for relationship. You go to the garden. I was made for relationship. I'm going to spend eternity with God. And what I want more than anything is relationship. Then it redefines the win in the present 70 years on planet Earth. So I think of like, Phil, what you're saying about kind of in this new era where leaders are successful um, with big stages and people can use prayer as a means to accomplish that end which is painful and wrong. And, and, I, and I think 100 years ago looked different. Like, I just don't think, uh, for me as a child, I never saw a, um, a celebrity Christian. It, like, I didn't, I didn't think in terms of celebrity Christian. Like, I guess I look back and maybe in the 80s, there were some celebrity Christians. But in my world as a child, I just didn't see it. I didn't think of it. I saw people that really knew Jesus and were being faithful as the goal. 
and wanted to finish with their life, knowing God, accomplishing what God had called them to accomplish. And I agree with you. I think that we've got to reframe and help people have that be the vision so that um, the 75-year-old that knows God and has accomplished, they finished the race, they fought the good fight, they've kept the faith. That's their win as opposed to the 75-year-old that has a big TV or internet or church ministry, which I think that's challenging in our current celebrity culture. So I just want to tell one story on that um, because that's, one of the thing, one of my heroes is Dick Eastman, and I, uh, I, I, I had a moment. He's seventy-five. When he was thirty, he made a commitment to spend time alone with God uh, for an hour and pray each day. And so people hear that, oh, an hour a day—that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a big commitment, and it was a big commitment. But when Dick tells the story about it, he says, "I didn't do it out of legalism. I did it out of love. I, I just I needed something for my own journey." And he just uh, he began that, and then he's in his. He was in his uh, early 70s, and I'm sitting there, and he's telling me this story about how he has this Bible, and it's the Bible that he had spent the last nine years um, using in his, in his hour of prayer, his time alone with God. And he went to have it rebound, and the lady said, we can't have it back to you for, uh, for three weeks. And he said, I, I use that in my, my prayer time each day. And she said, I'm sorry, we won't be able to get it back to you for three weeks. And here he is in his 70s, and he says, I'll pay any price. And he kind of winks and smiles and said, I paid a big price, but I had it back the next day. And I just tell that story because it's when incredible. I hear that, I go, incredible. It's, it's, it's a value system. It, you know, we would make a joke and say, download an app, you know, but, you, but, but he's going, yes. this is what I care about. This is what I've, I'm being close to God. And I just, I, if you can fall in love with 70 year olds that know God rather than have a big income or a big stage, um, I just think we win. Oh yes. man. And, and I, I imagine I speak for all of us. Like, I just want my kids to go, Oh, that guy, I want to be like that guy. And it's actually what they're pointing at is people of deep and radical prayer who hunger for revival. And I've, and all of us, I have no problem with big names and big success. I, I want the world to know Jesus. May there be more of that, but I want to hunger for the right things. And I, I'm, I'm desperate for it. Mm. And I see that, Phil, like even with you, there's been moments where um, you've cried and said how much you love Jesus. And those tears are what I'm hoping uh, my kids look at and say, I want that. So I would rather them look at Phil Manginelli, who cries when he talks about loving Jesus. But we're competing with a culture where uh, my kids could just as easily look at a famous preacher that looks like they're they've got it all together and want that. And so anyway, I'm just adding to what you said. I think it's a perpetual fight. I think it's the battle of the ages. Um, and for me, I'm going to go parenting for a moment here on this. With, but that's why for me, with my own children, I'm like, the number one thing I want to fight for is for them to spend time alone with God each day. Help to create that space. With, and so I want it in my own life, but I want it for my kids. So a lot of times I think that, you know, with parenting, we're, we're talking all kinds of different ways that we try to manage their time. We try to build the right guardrails. But I, if, we get, if we get them spending time with God and they have a relationship with Jesus, then we get everything. Um, and so I, I look at that in my own life. I know I get everything in my own life if I end up close to God through the darkest seasons when I'm old. But it's also the number one strategy for, as a father is to get your kids in that place of 
of talking about what's going on between them and Jesus. Our tendency is to just try to get them to uh, talk about their circumstance, control, look at their lives, get the right hobbies in place. But if we put the energy towards rewarding that time alone with Jesus, that's huge. I like to make the joke that I'm extremely frugal. Um, and so I won't pay for like cheese on my kids' burgers. Like it's just, I'm not gonna pay for that. Like that's a dollar extra per burger. That's $6 more. But when it comes to spending time with God, I mean, Olivia's got a $65 journal, you know, like I'll pay any amount for that kind of thing. And I think that I say that about my own children because I think even, even in my own life, that's an investment, like whatever it takes to, to stay close to the Lord. David, can you talk a little bit about, because uh, even as you're talking, every time we talk about prayer, my heart's just stirred and, and, and I just, God, I want to be a, a man of prayer. I, I remember praying this prayer in my 20s, like, God, I, I want that on my tombstone, you know, that he was a man of prayer type deal. So, so as we talk about this, I feel a stirring in my heart, a hunger increasing, just even listening to it. I think that people listening right now, they'll experience that same thing, like just a hunger, that hunger is in there. But the only way you really learn how to pray is to go pray. I mean, ultimately, you learn how to pray not by listening to a podcast, but by going to pray. Can you talk some practicals around prayer? Uh, so people may feel like, hey, like my encouragement to people is you got to go pray. Uh, we can talk about prayer and it will stir a hunger in you. But ultimately, you're going to learn about prayer by praying. But there's practicals involved with that. And I, and I would we've talked about this. There's both practicals and personalities. Uh, you know, uh, what are some of the practicals? What are, what are some of the understanding your personality? How does that all play into actually starting, establishing, not losing, increasing a prayer life? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, kind of 101, if you can get a time and a place, that's critical. I like to say that if you can master your mornings and make prayer first, um, I think that I love the ideas of people that do their lunch breaks and spend time with God in prayer or in the evenings. Lots of people have lots of different ways, so I'm not saying this is the only way. But I do think what you said earlier, Banning, about prayer first, there's something about getting with God and being with Him uh, early to help even look at your whole day. So for me, in my journey, um, my dad is a prayer guy, and my dad... My, my parents had triplets, and so uh, I'm a triplet, David, Dana, and Deborah. And when we were in second grade, my dad uh, literally just started having us around a round table and training us how to pray. So my dad had been a, a basketball coach, but he didn't train me in basketball. My dad was actually a phenomenal athlete. He's brilliant. He was a math teacher. It just He's brilliant. But the overwhelming passion of his life was to help his kids spend time with God and know God. And then Dana, you know, she became an author on prayer. Deborah runs, her, her and her husband run a missions organization. Later they had my brother Dan, and he's a pastor. And none of us ended up in a, in a prodigal season um, and all stepped into ministry. And I think that the key was that, that intimate relationship with God. And there's no, there's, there is no formula. Like even when I look at my, I have four children. When I look at, you know, my family of origin and the four personalities with me and my siblings, everybody's so massively different. So there is no formula, but you can have priority first. You can say no matter what, I'm going to be with God. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. So I like people figuring out 
what what place, what time, what way works for them. Yeah, and talk a little bit about personality. So we've talked a lot about this, David. I, I'm inspired by so much of your story so much because you're very different than I am when it comes to some consistency things. Uh, and both you and your wife are, are, and maybe that wasn't your personality. I don't know. Maybe that's just an, an uber work you're putting in. But just that consistent, steady, disciplined lifestyle. And then there's other people that are a little bit more that creative, free flow, don't box me in, spontaneous, whatever else it is. What's your advice to people when it comes to personalities? Because we talked about at the beginning, none of this is meant to shame anybody. Uh, in fact, shame doesn't help at all. Wherever you are in your journey, whether you were great at prayer and now you're not, whether you've never started it, whether you feel guilty, whatever else it is, like shame isn't going to get you on this journey. This is an invitation from the Lord to intimacy. And, uh, and what I love about the Lord is, is he, you know, Jesus tells the story of uh, um, the people that worked all day long and then people that joined at the end and they got paid the same. Like this is such a picture of the heart of God who's like, man, I just have not prayed like I need to. And then you start praying and you just get, God's like, you know what? I tell this to our church all the time when we do 40-day fast. Sometimes we're 20 days in. I'll be like, guys, if you haven't joined, that's okay. Jump in right now. God will credit you for all 40. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the God you serve. You'll go 20, he'll credit you for 40. You know, so God, he does this. I'm just saying God is so full of grace in our life that even when we've been horrible at it and haven't done it, jumping into it, the Lord's like, man, I- I'm going to meet you as if you've been working all day, not just the last hour. So th- none of this is a shame-based, but personality-wise, how does that play in? Honestly, how does that play into us discovering our prayer life? I think that each one of us have uh, a calling to pray, and if you're talking about different ways, it's great uh, to talk different ways, different personalities, as long as it's there and, and that we work towards getting there. So like I look at what Lou Engel and guys that love to do like long fast for something like a breakthrough in a certain area. And I'm just like, I look at them and I feel shamed. <laughs> I feel like, oh, I don't, I can't imagine going on all these fasts all the time for all these things. But for me, I find a spiritual pathway in really enjoying that daily time alone with God. So I so that's different than the the big corporate fast for something. It's a, it, that's you know those those feel massively different to me. But like I'll speak to the different personalities with my wife and I. You know I look at different seasons and I think people have uh, different capacities. Um, my wife's time alone with Jesus looked massively different when we had four kids in five years, but she kept it as a priority. And so even I, I love to joke around about the season where. Um, she had just had our fourth child and there was a season where she would put all the kids down for naps and it was in the, she only had this little window of time, you know, an hour to an hour and a half that was just to herself every day. And, and she made that her, her time with God in the afternoon during nap time. And then I love to joke around about, I would come home and she would be like laying there on the couch, kids down for naps and Bible open, journal half written, hi- highlighters, you know, still like like pens open, and she's just cashed out asleep and just out cold. And my my son, when he was six and seven, he would call when Renata would fall asleep, you know, on the couch. Mom spending time with Jesus. Uh, that's that's <laughs> mom spending time with God. 
And I just loved it because I felt like I would come home and see my beautiful bride who's literally got so much going. And I just picture the father, like, you know, our heavenly father seeing her uh, just delighted as she's gradually, you know, often so falling asleep. And so, of course, we make the joke. You know, she would just transition into uh, from a prayer journal to believing for dreams. That's um, amazing. In that time with God. But I think each person is massively different. Some people love iPads. They've got Logos Bible software going and they're spending time with God. And it's got this strong, like, Bible revelatory kick. Other people go on walks with God um, and they love nature. Um, there's other people that want to, like, for me, I, I love coffee, coffee shop often. I like to not go digital because I can't handle, um, I, can't, I just can't do that. So for me to go to, I have to go n- non-digital to be with Jesus. I'm too distracted by so many other things. I, so people have their different ways. To me, it's not necessarily the way, it's about the priority. Yeah, I love it. David, even as we wrap up today, um, and Phil, I don't know, have you read this book, Phil? There's a, there's a book called Daughter of Destiny by Jamie Buckingham, and it's uh, on Catherine Kuhlman. It's one of my favorite biographies ever. Uh, it may be my top favorite Christian biography, but he talks in there, he, he was with her, I don't know how many years at the end um, of her life doing ministry, and he just followed her around and was going to write her biography, and um, he talks about how, so Catherine Kuhlman was just a friend of the Holy Spirit, like, like she, she was tender to the Holy Spirit, but he talks about how he never once saw her have a set individual time during the day that she set aside, which threw me off. Honestly, it threw me off. He talked about, though, that, that, that she was just with Jesus, and he would walk in sometimes, and she would be behind stage just weeping before the Lord, like, like just weeping before the Lord, just, just interacting and connecting with the Holy Spirit. And yet he goes, I never really saw it. Now, now it threw me off, and I would kind of still say, I think you need a set time. <laughs> like, I think you, you, you need this. But can you talk a little bit about somehow there's tapping into just being with Jesus all day and how those things correlate. Does it, I, I keep asking if that makes sense because it's such a, I'm throwing you a random question out here because I do believe, and I think Jesus, I think the model that we see is kind of the pulling away, but, but can you kind of talk about that? I, I remember reading that and being a little bit offended. I, I was a little bit offended that like, wait, she doesn't have a set time that she's doing this thing, but, but her heart just connected to God. Can you talk about that or address that or unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I love what you just said about, um, obviously we see Jesus pulling away, but it's that Brother Lawrence idea, practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit, practicing the presence of God. And when we're in dialogue, I, I like to just use the word horizontal and vertical. You know, we're, we're trying to go vertical and be with Jesus, but we don't go vertical once and then, and then horizontal the rest of the day. The idea is that we remain vertical all day long. And so I don't necessarily even think that the, the time alone with Jesus is like compartmentalize my time with God and then I'm done. It is to help just burst that vertical relationship all day long so that I, I heard one guy quote it that way where he said, I haven't spent an hour alone with God in prayer, but I haven't gone a whole hour without praying. It's that idea that there's moments all throughout the day driving in my car where I'm, where I'm going vertical. So uh, I, I like to think of it as, Actually, my dad uses this phrase. He goes, I want to go vertical and then horizontal and almost where I live, vertizontal. Made up a word, you know, where I'm constantly trying to dialogue. 
Uh, Jesus did nothing apart from the Father. He's in dialogue with his Father, and then he's speaking. Um, and so I think he's our example. I think we're trying to do what we see in Jesus. And um, I love to talk about prayer as it's a privilege to pray. It's like an on-ramp to what I was made for. So every time that we kind of go into this legalistic, I feel burdened, don't judge me, don't, it's just, it's kind of just the wrong way to look at it. It's this invitation, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It's the opportunity that I'd be crazy not to go all in on. And so uh, that's kind of the way that we look at it. It's this incredible way that we get to live our lives from God. And so don't and so you don't get frustrated by the people that that are disciplined. Like a lot of people, like my dad, my dad's prayer life is far more disciplined than mine. Um, but but I'm committed to the prayer life and see it as a great great privilege. And there's some ways that that I pray that's a little bit different than he does. So we don't allow the fact that some people pray differently than the way that I pray to be the reason why I don't pray. We just are inspired by the many different people that pray different ways and go after being as close to God as we can be. David, I sure appreciate you taking time. I'm really good, Phil. I'm sure love you, that love you, love you. Phil, isn't it crazy just as we listen to somebody talk about prayer, our own heart is just stirred to go yeah, pray. I'm just alive. Man. Yeah, it's incredible. David, one of the things we didn't talk about that we were thinking about talking about uh, was your dad actually just received a miracle recently. Pretty profound story. And you guys have actually captured it on video. Well, not the miracle, but you've captured the story on video. Um, where can, uh, we don't even have to, I mean, incredible story. Maybe you could just quickly say what, what happened to your dad. And then maybe, can they find that on YouTube? Yeah, I'm so grateful for all of the doctors that worked so diligently to help with my dad. And they looked at his situation and said that, uh, that the only way he would ever come home is if they built a hospital around his house and that our family, which was praying on Zoom with my dad 26 nights while he was in the COVID unit, was living in denial because there was no way that he was going to make it because he had, he had pneumonia and ARDS and he had um, uh, pulmonary embolism and COVID. I mean, he was, he was, he was on his way. Uh, and when he went into comfort care, they let my mom come into the hospital to see him before he passed away. And somehow, some way, we know the God of the ages did a miracle and healed my dad. And uh, he was at uh, church on Sunday, both services, and sends me text messages on how I can preach better. Yeah, He's my, right. cl- my, right. my closest comrade uh, other than my bride. So it's been a miracle story, a prayer story. If you just type in on YouTube, uh, Radiant Church, God of Miracles, you'll see a picture of my dad, and it tells the story. It's a 35-minute documentary uh, telling the story. Radiant Church, God of Miracles. So good. David, thank you so much for joining us. It really has been rich, as it always is. And uh, we sure appreciate you just taking some time to unpack this. Um, guys, thanks for joining us. As always, you can get online. Make sure you like it and star it and comment or do whatever else you do on all the all the uh, platforms as well. Make sure you check out World Vision. We really are loving what they're doing with the Chosen program. If you're not sponsoring a kid, make sure you check them out and get involved. Uh, we've already been so encouraged by uh, the engagement that we have from the listeners of the podcast with World Vision, their Chosen program. So you can check it out. We're going to be back again. We just keep going after this thing. We're going to go after after uh, just this issue of leadership and today leading from a place of prayer, but we'll be back again. Thanks for joining us.